So uh, I have to say, fair warning, if I am like wobbling a little bit up here, it's because I went skiing for the first time in my life yesterday. Yeah, why not, you know? Uh, I, I gotta be real, I had no desire to go skiing, but I love my husband and he likes to go, so I'm up for the ride, you know what I mean? And, uh, and here's the thing, I, I've, this is what I learned from skiing, it's a total side note, you're just gonna fall a lot. Like, that's what I learned. I learned how to fall so well, not gracefully, but well. And I got a few bruises to prove it, but uh, if I'm like kind of moving a little bit slower here, it's because, and those of you who've gone skiing, it's quite the workout, wasn't anticipating that. Should have made the connection. I mean, they are in the Olympics, you know, it is an athletic sport, but I was like, easy, no problem. So today I woke up and I feel like every time I move, I'm carrying like a truck behind me. So if you see it, that's, that's it's okay, pray for me, but it's just, it's just the after effects of, of skiing. Uh, uh, but I do believe that God has something so exciting for us here today, and I truly am honored to be a part. Now, earlier this month, uh, I don't know if you caught this, but Oprah Winfrey made history by becoming the first African-American woman to receive the Golden Globe Lifetime Achievement Award. She gave a resounding speech that, that caused uh, uh, ongoing, repeated standing ovations that room and the night. It was undeniably the most electrifying moment of the Golden Globes. And I missed it. Like, I completely missed it. I was not invited to the Golden Globes, which is, I don't understand that, but didn't happen this year, next year. Uh, no, I actually completely forgot they were happening. I, I, I didn't even know that they were airing until Monday morning when I was boarding a plane and I was sitting in my uh, window seat and I was looking at my newsfeed on my phone that I kept seeing her speech making headlines again and again. So I clicked and as I was sitting there hunched over my phone watching on YouTube this speech, uh, tears, actual tears began to form and trickle down my face because I had this sense that History was being made, you know, regardless of whether or not you agree with her views, she struck a chord with humanity that night. She brought us all together in one sense to speak to this deep longing within each and every one of us. And the crux of her entire speech was simply this statement on which all the other things that she said, it was built upon this. She said, what I know for sure is the most powerful tool we all have is when we each speak our truth, right? She said the most powerful tool we have, speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we all have. Think about that, speaking truth is the most powerful tool we have. And that resonates with us, doesn't it? Because our world is yearning for truth. In everything, everywhere, especially in the times that we live in, the climate and the culture around us, we are hungry for actual truth. And in John 14, 6, Jesus speaks directly to this hunger when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Four words, Jesus brings our hunt to a halt. I am the truth. I am the truth. Not I speak truth. Not I know some truth. Not I can point you to truth. Not, I can help you discover your own truth. No, no, no. He says, I am the truth. I am the truth, which means there is no one more trustworthy than him. I am the truth, which means his character is true. I am the truth, which means his ways are true. I am the truth, which means his miracles are all true. I am the truth, which means his teachings are true. I am the truth, which means that his life is the truest expression of life that ever will be, that ever was, He's it. I am the truth. With this statement, 
He puts our search to an end and the beginning of knowing and living out truth. I am the truth. He says, I am the truth, and no one comes to the Father except through me. His intentions are clear here. He is the living truth that wants to reconcile us to the heart of God the Father. His intentions are clear, and the invitation is deeply personal. He says, except through me. He says, I am the truth. I want you to come to the Father, and I want you to do it through me. It's an invitation that he issues to every single one of us here today. But how? How do we respond to that invitation? What does that look like in action? Well, in Luke chapter 10, we see this, this invitation put into action. Jesus is traveling with his disciples, and he stops to visit and stay with some friends, and this is how the story unfolds. As Jesus and the disciples continued, well, hello. Just kidding, guys. We got this. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. This is good service. I mean, come on, Cody. You are next level. Thank you so much. Thanks, Cody. Don't we love Cody? Can we give it up for Cody? It might be worth starting again, right? Let's do that. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated by finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guests. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. Talk about some sass happening here. I respect it. And the Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. Now, I really, I really feel for Martha here in this story because I get Martha. Like, I don't like dirty dishes in the sink. I do think that the house should be vacuumed before guests come over. So I get it. I get where Martha is coming from here. But truth himself, living truth, was in her home, and she missed him. Mary didn't. Mary sat attentively at the feet of Jesus. She was yearning for every revelation of truth that he had. That invitation was offered to Martha as well. It was issued to both of them. But only one accepted, because Martha let a few dishes get in the way. And the same danger exists for us today, because Jesus is here today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His truth remains the same. His word is eternal. His presence is here. He is knocking at the front door of our lives. He is with us, and if we're not careful, we could miss him. We could miss the power of living truth at work in our lives. We too could become distracted, or we could choose, like Mary, daily we can choose truth over distractions. But how? I mean, I hate to state the obvious here, but there is a difference between Mary and Martha and Jesus in this story, and us here today. Jesus is not physically in the flesh. We can't actually sit next to Jesus and hear his audible words. So how do we get to lean from living truth? Well, yes, 
Maybe Jesus is not physically in the flesh in this room, but his spirit is here. The Holy Spirit that guides us and leads us in all truth and confirms the truth of the written word of God. And, yes, we have the written word of God. The word of God that is eternal. The word of God that transcends culture and society and times and trends. The word of God that will forever remain. And so, we too can sit at Jesus' feet. And when we intentionally lean in and sit in the presence of God, like Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, and we read God's word, his written word, like Mary hung on every word from Jesus, and we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us in the process the same way that Mary was attentively listening to everything that the Master Jesus had to share, well, that is where breakthrough happens. That's where miracles happen. That's where peace happens. That's where joy happens. That's where love happens. That's where strength happens. That's where life, true life happens. Why? Because in Jesus' words, you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. Friends, I don't want to preach a message here today about how Jesus is true. I want to do more than that. I want us to have an experience with the living truth. It's not enough for us to leave here knowing, yeah, okay, John 14, 6, the way, the truth, and the life. No, 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 there's so much more because it's not just a statement, it's an invitation. And so today, I want us to take a cue from Mary, and I want us to practice what it could look like on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday to sit at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to share with you how I spend some time in God's Word and God's presence every day. Now, I want to be clear. I am not presenting you with a one-size-fits-all method. I don't believe that God is so one-dimensional that he can be limited to one human approach to connecting and engaging with him. Neither are you, that one-dimensional, by the way. But I do want to provide you with an experience here today, an experience with the presence of God, an experience with God's word that would cause you to want to crave to have more of those experiences outside of a church service on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and five months from now and ten years from now and a life of knowing what it means to not just know that Jesus is truth, but be transformed personally by his truth. So you ready? All right, you ready? Watching online. We're going to do some things a little bit different here today. It's going to be a bit interactive. One of the first things we're going to do is we're going to take a cue and we're going to learn from Martha. Because she is a cautionary tale in this story. She reminds us that perhaps the greatest obstacle of all to truth is distraction. So we're going to begin by eliminating distractions. There's the obvious one, your phone. How many of you have your phone right now? Come on, you have it in your hand, you have it sitting on your lap, you have it nearby, wave it in the air like you don't care. Okay, lots of us have the phone. I know, it's, it's deeply connected to us. It feels like an extension of us. We have an emotional attachment to the phone. If it's gone for five minutes, we're wondering what happened, is my life falling apart? Oh wait, I found my phone, it's all good. I get it. But here's what we're gonna do right now. We're gonna put the phone away for a few minutes. Even if you've been taking notes on your phone, Put it away. It'll still be there, I promise. And later on in the service, there'll be an opportunity for you to pick it back up again. Those of you who are joining online, get rid of the phone. Get rid of the distractions around wherever you might be watching. Let's eliminate distractions. Those are the obvious ones. Now let's tackle the not-so-obvious ones, the ones happening here. It's hard to hear the voice of God with all the background noise of to-do lists and stress points and relived conversations and replayed memories and even that 
catchy, stubborn pop song that refuses to leave the brain, right? You know, actually, the Bible talks about this idea of being still before God, about silencing some of those voices so that we could hear. Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. The Passion Translation puts it this way. It says, surrender your anxiety. Be silent and stop your striving and you will see that I am God. So here's what we're going to do right now. We're going to take a moment through intentional silence to silence the anxiety, to surrender the anxiety, to cease for a moment for our striving so that we in this moment could actually have an experience with the presence of God, so that we could see God. We could see God in the written word. We could see God in this time that we have here. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes silence is incredibly awkward, especially collectively, you know? And especially, I think, in big cities like those of us who are in this room right now in New York, I don't know where you might be joining from, but in New York City, man, silence is bizarre. Like, it's actually a, a, a warning sign. Run, something's wrong. Silence, you know? Yesterday, I was driving home uh, from skiing, and it was nighttime, and I, I'm looking around, and it's beautiful. It's just wilderness. And there's nobody around. There's no cars. There's hardly any lights. And I should have been going, wow, this is stunning. Instead, because I'm such a city girl, I was like, this is eerie. This is weird. Let's speed it up. Get through here because this is how horror films begin, right? Like, this is my, my reference point. So I get how you might be like, ah, oh, silence is a little awkward. But I want you to engage in this moment. And here's the point. We're not trying to clear our mind because I actually think it's impossible to clear our mind. As long as we're breathing and living, we're thinking. But instead, we're refocusing our attention on Jesus, on his goodness, on his truth, on his character, on his power, his strength, his love for us in this moment. So we're going to take the next 30 seconds, and we are going to be silent, right? Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 6 how to pray. The disciples actually asked him, how do we pray? And this is what he taught us. He began by saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Right away, Jesus wants us to know that we're praying and we're interacting not with a distant and elusive God, but our good and perfect and heavenly Father who sees us and knows us and cares. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Blessed be thy name. What is this? Jesus is teaching us to first worship, to acknowledge that we have a heavenly Father who loves us and cares, and then in response, to worship him, to declare his goodness, to magnify him and not necessarily the stress points of our life for a minute. There's going to be ample time, whenever you pray, to actually bring your petitions, your requests, the things that you need, the things that are stressing you out, the things you're hoping for, you can bring them to God. And he listens and he cares. And we heard in the praise reports that he actually responds to those prayers. But before we go there, first, can we worship? Can we put our priorities straight and acknowledge that he truly is Lord of all, that he cares, that he sees, that he's good, to celebrate who he is? So I'm going to invite the worship team up right now. Because when I have my time of devotion, I actually listen to some worship music before I jump into engaging into scripture. So we're going to do that together right now. We're going to worship. The team is going to lead us. Be very grateful that it's the team leading us and not me up here, right? Uh, 
because they actually have heavenly voices. And here's what I want us to do. Those of you online, those of you sitting in this room right now, you can sit, you can stand, you can kneel, you can wave your hands in the air, you can quietly listen and reflect, you can sing loudly and off-key, which is totally what I do most of the time. Here's what matters. That, like most things that matter, you put your heart into it. That you make this a time of really authentic worship. That you really reflect on who God is and how good he is and prepare your heart to receive from living truth. So let's worship together right now. Will be our anthem song. 
Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. We love you. We thank you for all that you've done. Come on, church, those online, I wonder if you could reflect right now on what he's done for you. He's so good. He's so faithful. We can reflect on his goodness. What does it do? It, it brings this peace that only his presence can bring. And this faith for tomorrow. Because he's so good, of course, he's going to be good to us. And I believe that even in this moment right now, for some of you as you worship, there's like faith welled up inside that was needed. Because you're reminded of just how wonderful he is. And even if you might be going through it in the moment, he's a God of new beginnings. His hope is eternal. And tomorrow is truly a new day. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. you know, sadly, we don't every morning, once a day, get to be led in worship by a team that is trained and talented, <laughs> that sounds so lovely. I mean, sadly, but it would be a little awkward if you woke up every morning and they were there, like, ready to go. Hey, you ready? Let's do this. Yeah. That's okay. We'll figure it out in a second here. Um, but we do have things like Spotify and iTunes. And if nothing else, we have our own voices where we can declare the goodness of God. We can thank him for what he's done. And after I've done this, after I've taken that moment, thank you so much. Um, I might actually just use this little stool here. Why don't we do that? Because that one won't fall, I don't think. All right, thank you. We're good. Thank you so much. You guys are so on it. I love it. Thank you. And so after I've had some time just worshiping God, then I feel like my soul is in a place to receive truth. And then I open my Bible, and I open to whatever passage I'm reading as part of my Bible reading plan. Now, some of you are like, there's plans for this? Like, where do I do this? How do I get this? Okay, YouVersion app is your friend, all right? I want you to download I want you to get it. They have hundreds and hundreds of Bible plans. There's going to be one perfect for your season or what you're, what you're really praying about, where you want to explore faith more. They've got video devotionals. They have it all. And when I read, a lot of times I'll read from a few different translations of the Bible, the same passage that I'm reading so I can get a more full understanding. Um, it kind of brings context to life in different ways, and the words kind of uh, come to life, really. Uh, but for sake of time today, we're not going to do that. But if you are like, that's me, I would love to do that, then here's another friend of yours, BibleGateway.com. They have over 50 English translations of the Bible. So you're going to be able to explore and even find a translation that speaks to you. Today we're going to be reading from the Passion Translation. Now before we begin reading from part of uh, my Bible reading plan a couple weeks ago, we're going to read Psalm 1 together. I should say this. This is where most people get stuck. We can listen to a worship song. That's cool. But opening our Bible, we know we should do it. We, most of us who are believers here in this room, believe that there is power in the Word of God and in spending time in the Bible, and yet many of us are not reading our Bibles. And I believe that this epidemic exists today in the church for a few different reasons. I think one reason is that we don't feel like we have our lives together enough. Like it's one thing to come to church and kind of get hidden in the mix, but when it comes to actually spending time every day in God's presence and opening the Bible and saying, truth, speak to me, we almost have this sense that we need to be more put together for God. Like there's areas of our life that don't measure up, so we got to figure them out first, and then we'll be ready to have that next level relationship with God. We fall into this trap of believing that Jesus is the kind of truth that exposes us. And so we don't want to be exposed. 
So we'll hide in a crowd on a Sunday and get something, but until we're really ready to present ourselves fully to God, that's when we'll show up and start reading and engaging in the Bible and in prayer and in worship beyond a Sunday. But here's what we need to know. Jesus' truth that does not expose us, it heals us. His truth heals. His truth brings hope. His truth brings life. And we'll never measure up to God. We'll never be able to put ourselves in a place where we're presentable enough to be in his presence because we've made some good choices this week, right? No. Jesus took care of that on the cross for us. He is why we can approach God's throne and know that God is with us. He is why that we can believe and expect miraculous in our lives, not because we're good enough Christians, but because he was so good, he gave his life for us on the cross. So if shame is keeping you from engaging in a relationship with God beyond a Sunday, friends, I want you to leave free from that shame today and know that God is the truth that is inviting you close, not pushing you away. Another reason why I believe we don't actually engage in the Bible, and this is going to be kind of harsh, but I believe it's true, is because sometimes we just don't want it enough. We're not at a place yet where we're craving truth enough in our life that we're carving out time to spend in the Bible on a daily basis. Now listen, I say that with no condemnation and no judgment. I can't change your appetite, just like you can't change mine. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But what I can do today is whet your appetite. And I believe that as you have an experience in God's word today and in his presence like you're already having, that it is going to create a hunger for more and more in your everyday life. The last reason I think we don't engage in the Bible beyond a Sunday is because we don't know where to begin. I don't know if you've noticed, but this, this Bible is ancient even though its relevancy isn't. It's cryptic at times, even though God delights in revealing his mysteries to us. And I don't know if you've noticed, but it is a lot of pages and very small print. So where do we begin? You know, one of my favorite passages of scripture is in Matthew. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus has just been preaching the good news of the kingdom. And then he turns to his disciples and he's like overjoyed. And this praise comes out of Jesus' mouth because of the disciples. This is what he says. We'll read it together in Matthew 11. It says, Jesus prayed, uh, no, we're not going to, yes. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. Basically, he's saying, I love that you revealed the mysteries of the kingdom of God to these disciples. Not the ones who are clever enough, not the ones who are wise enough, but the ones who showed up with childlike faith. Friends, this is so encouraging for me, and it should be encouraging for you too. It means I don't have to be the most brilliant scholar. I don't have to be a spiritual expert. I don't have to be this religious leader to actually get in on understanding the kingdom of God, knowing Jesus, and being transformed by truth. The word of God was not just written to Bible scholars. It was written for me. It was written for you. The only requirement to actually receive truth from God's word is this, that we would approach God's word and Jesus with childlike faith. That we'd have a simple trust that would say, if it's in here, it's written for me. If he tells me to do it, it's for my good. If he says he can do it in his word, then he will do it. And so full of faith, with no intimidation and no shame in this room, we're going to read together Psalm 1. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. It's going to be up on the screen for us to follow along, so no worries if you don't have that with you. Here's how it begins. What delight comes to those who follow God's ways? They won't walk in step with the wicked, nor share in the sinner's way. Their pleasure and passion is remaining true to the word of I am, meditating day and night in his true revelation of light. 
They will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in every season of their lives. They are never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous. But how different are the wicked? All they are is dust in the wind, driven away to destruction. The wicked will not endure the day of judgment, for God will not defend them. Nothing they do will succeed or endure for long. For they have no part with those who walk in truth. But how different it is for the righteous. The Lord embraces their paths as they move forward while the way of the wicked lead only to doom. Okay, so we read it. Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back and read the footnotes together. Now you're going, wow, this is like really basic and, and practical. Yes, yes, that's the point. Yes, so we can do it tomorrow. So here's the footnotes that are, uh, that are a part of the Passion Translation of Psalm 1. I want to encourage you, if you're like, man, I want to really understand God's Word, then get a Bible study, like, uh, or uh, get a, um, a, a study Bible. Get a Bible where it has these kind of notes on the side, and they're easy, they're available on Amazon. You could search one that works for you so that you can really gain context for what we're just reading right now. So let's go back and read it. It says, although we cannot be sure, it is possible that Ezra compiled the Psalms and wrote Psalm 1 as an introduction. Others believe it was written by David or Jeremiah. So this is interesting uh, because it means, I never thought of it this way, but Psalm 1, it truly is an introduction. It's, it's, it's like the teaser for what all of what we can expect in Psalms. Psalms is the book of the Bible that is really songs of worship and praise and lament. They're conversations that are real and raw from the heart to God, right? And so we see Psalm 1 at the very beginning, which means it's letting us know that the theme of this chapter is going to be a theme throughout all the Psalms, that it's deeply connected to what it means to understand worship. All right. The Hebrew text is actually that one. And refers prophetically to the Lord Jesus Christ, our tree of life. Every one of us who belongs to that one can also walk in the light of this psalm. Oh, so get this. This is not just about the righteous and the wicked. This is actually prophetically about Jesus. That Jesus is the righteous one. Now we're seeing Jesus revealed in Psalm 1. That the only reason that we can live this righteous path is because he is righteousness himself. And because we are connected to him. All right, then it says this. It says, Psalm 1 is the contrast of those who follow God's ways and those who choose their own path. Read through this psalm with the purpose of learning how to live with God in first place. Oh, so now this doesn't just only reveal Jesus, this actually reveals something about ourselves. Now we can search through Psalm 1 and we can look for us in the mix. Where do we fall? Where are we right now? Are we prospering? Are we blessed? Is it difficult for us right now? Is our way a little different according to Passion Translation? Where do we fit? Okay, and then it goes on to say this. Here's another foot footnote. Verse 3, or transplanted. That is, God planted our lives from where we were into a place of blessing. Now, if you read 3, it says they will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design. So another way to read this would be transplanted by God's design. Oh, this is getting good. Now, now the picture is transplanted, which means, get this, we were once in the soil of darkness, but now we've been transplanted into light. We once were in this cycle that we could not break of death and destruction and sin, trying to figure out life on our own terms and our own way. But now, by God's grace, by Jesus and what he's done, we've been transplanted and we've been rooted deeply into Jesus himself. The soil is now ripe for our lives. It once wasn't, but now it is. And back there where we could only bear fruit according to the conditions around us, now we bear fruit not about the conditions around us, but because of who we are connected to, Jesus himself. Oh, the psalm is coming to life, isn't it? Just because we read the footnotes. 
And it says here, the metaphors found in this verse can be paraphrased as, as no matter what he sets out to do, he brings it to successful conclusion. Talking about the righteous one here. So think about that. Basically, it comes down to this. No matter what he sets out to do, it's going to be successful. Wow, what a word of promise for us who've been made righteous by Christ. No matter how audacious the plan that God has for our lives, no matter what season we're in right now, and the dreams in our heart and the purposes that God's given us in our lives, if we continue to follow Jesus, even through the tough times, even through the storms, even through the difficulties, oh, regardless of how big it is for our life, it's going to be successful. Talk about seeing the long game of life. Your story is going to be success. Not because you're all that, but because of what Jesus has done. Wow. Okay, so now this psalm is coming to life. And so here's what we want to do. And this is where some of us stop. It's crucial that we don't stop here. We read the footnotes. We read it. We've been thinking about it. We've spent time worshiping. But now we need to reflect. We need to actually give space for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. To think about what does this really mean for my life now. It's one thing to read truth. It's another thing to actually let it transform you and begin walking it out. So we're going to take the next couple minutes and we're just going to reflect. Quietly where we are. For some of you, you're going to jot down notes. Some of you, you're going to type things on your phone. Some of you, you're just going to meditate quietly, and you're going to get down to these three questions. Whatever reflection you want to do, I always kind of center my reflection around three thoughts. The first question is, what does this reveal to me about Jesus? Everything in Scripture points to Jesus. We're following Jesus. We're Christians. This is what our whole faith is about. Friends, if you're here and you're like, I don't know about Jesus, I'm glad you're here. But the staple of our faith is Jesus. This is what we're building our life upon is Jesus. We believe he is the way, the truth, and life. So what does this reveal to us about Jesus? The second question is, what does this reveal to us about ourselves? Where are we in here? What does this show us about our heart condition, where we are? What life is looking like right now and where God wants to take us? And then the third question is, how do I respond to this truth? This is really crucial. What do I do with this information? That's where... That's where the Word of God begins to transform us, is when we actually take action. So we're going to take about a minute right now and reflect quietly. Those of you joining online, I want you to take the next minute to think through those things. I'm going to ask that we put on the screen part of uh, what we just read again, so you can look at the words and let them come back. I want us to focus in on verse 3 that talks about us being planted. It says, uh, it starts with, they will be standing firm like a flourishing tree. Can you put that up there, team, while we reflect for the next minute? And as our time of reflecting comes to a close, and on your own time, you might want to spend more time. Normally, I would probably spend a couple more minutes reflecting, but just for sake of time today, as you draw your reflecting to a close, you want to always be able to answer these two questions. I think this is crucial for us to actually 
really, really um, not just know truth, but be transformed by truth. It's these questions. The first one is, okay, so what am I going to take with me? So we've had this experience. We've been exposed to God's word. We've read together, and the Holy Spirit's spoken to us. So now what am I keeping with me beyond this moment? Am I writing down a certain verse, and I'm jotting it down on a note card, and I'm taking it with me throughout the day so I can look at it on the subway and at work. When I'm having that difficult interaction afterwards, I can pull that out and be reminded of truth. Is there something that you're going to jot down on your phone and keep coming back to? Is there something you're going to begin praying over your life based on what you said and believing and saying, no, this is truth I'm building my life upon. What is it that you're taking with you? I know for me right now, uh, as I was reading this again, I love this thought that, this, that they're always bearing fruit in every season. And I realized I want to start praying that of my life because I've fallen into a little bit of a trap of limiting what God can do because I've been looking at the conditions of my life and seeing where resource might be lacking or opportunity. I need this and this to align before there can be fruit in my life. But now, after reading this, I'm like, no, actually, I can always bear fruit in every season. It's not about the opportunity around me. It's about who I'm connected to, and it's Jesus. He is the source of everything in my life. So what is that thing for you? And then the next question to ask yourself is, okay, so what am I going to do? Now, if you're really clever here in this room, you realize I asked that question two different times because it's so crucial. I want us to get this. What do we do? Not just what do we read, but what do we do in response to living truth? Are there some changes we need to make in our lives? Do we need to shift some relationships? Do we need to spend more time meditating on this? Do we need to actively begin to pray things? Do we need to talk to somebody and let them know, hey, this is what I'm believing for in my life. This is this based on what I read in the psalm today. I'm believing for this, and I want you to join me in believing. What is it that really is going to cause you to take action? Friends. I hope you realize what we've done today as our time draws to a close. We've sat at the feet of Jesus. We've spent intentional time in the presence of God and in God's written word. And every single one of us had an experience. I don't know what it was, but you had one. Perhaps for some of you in this room, you were just receiving the peace that you needed from the presence of God. For some of you, as, as you read truth, you realized, I've been limiting God. And now I want to take this lie that I've been living under and replace it with the truth of God's prosperous blessing for my life. Maybe for some of you, you realize, okay, I need to make an adjustment, but the Holy Spirit spoke to you in some way, and you received something from God's Word. Here's what I want to encourage you with. Each and every day, you can actually receive truth and love from Jesus, because that's who He is. And the invitation is open to you, not just on Sundays. The invitation is open to you every single day of the week. I pray that every day you spend time with living truth, and you're transformed by truth in the process. You know, some moments in God's word are going to blow your mind, just to be real. You're going to read something and go, what? This is exactly what I need to hear right now. Sometimes it's going to be revolutionary. Sometimes it's going to forever change the way you think about something or a situation or a circumstance. Other days, in God's word, are simply going to remind you of the truth that you already know. Remind you of the thing that you need to keep doing. It's going to be time in God's presence that just encourages you and strengthens you for the day ahead. But here's what I know. Every moment in truth matters. The small ones and the big ones. Because what we're building here, get this, please, is not a discipline. What we're building here is a relationship between us and truth himself. And just like all rich and vibrant relationships, it's not one individual interaction that, that defines it. It's the ongoing and collective interactions that define a rich and vibrant relationship. And here's what I also know, friends. I know that you were created to have a rich and vibrant relationship with God. And so I pray you do. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you for your presence here today. That you've been here with us. You speak to us. And I pray that we would have a heart to sit at your feet like Mary did. To learn from you. Reveal your truth to us. We don't want to just talk about how your truth. We want to experience you, Jesus, living truth, leading and guiding our lives every day. 
And so I pray this week that more and more of these types of moments like we have here today would happen in our lives. Am I and that your truth would truly in every area of our life set us free.